This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and my co-host, as always, is AJ Schultz, and you can follow him at AJ Schultz 24 On today's pod, AJ and I will bring previews for all teams in the Atlantic Division and add our predicted order of the final standings in that loop in the fourth and final of our preseason pods. Now let's bring in my co-host to talk about his upcoming experience with the NFHC, that's the National Fantasy Hockey Championships. Over to you, AJ. Yeah, so uh, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, NFHC uh, is bringing uh, high-stakes fantasy hockey uh, into the mix here. I've got my draft tonight. Uh, If you want to sign up for that, rotowire.com slash high-stakes goes off at uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern for uh, those of you out there. And uh, yeah, if you finish ahead of me in the standings in our league, you'll win a free three-month subscription to Rotowire. Uh, that's in addition to other prizes that you can win. There's a league prize. There's an overall $7,500 grand prize. Uh, and then, Paul, I know your league is already uh, started, uh, and you're, uh, you've got uh, guys there trying to beat you for that free subscription. How's the draft going and everything? Well, you know what? It's a four-hour format, and initially, when I, when I talked to you about that, I, I, I've never participated in one of these slow drafts aj and so this has been a unique experience for me but i kind of initially i hated the concept but now i've grown to like it <laughs> because it gives you plenty of time to to strategize and see what other teams are thinking about when they draft their teams instead of the typical snake draft that i think you're in where you have to be ready to make your picks and, and you don't have a lot of time to make them so uh sometimes i find that when those picks are coming fast and furious it's hard to keep up but uh no issues with the four hour four hour uh, sleeper draft that i call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine is uh, as you mentioned mine is a, a fast uh, fast draft there so uh you know we'll we'll start drafting tonight and, and go right through but before we kick off the rest of the show i'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, feel free to tweet at us. We'll try and answer your questions. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, let's get into this Atl- 
outstanding division for my money, the toughest loop in the entire league, AJ, and it starts with a team that uh, has been the scourge of the hometown team that I cheer for, the Boston Bruins, and uh, their forward complement is a lot of familiar faces, but maybe one or two tweaks in the top nine here, and we'll get into that right now. Uh, I'll Always on the left wing on the top line, Brad Marchand. He was one of the few players that reached the 100-point mark, and I figure he's going to be crowding that again this season. He's going to be lining up with familiar line mates Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak. Both of those, all three of those guys should be solid bets to be better than a point-per-game players just as they were last season. On the second line, Jake DeBrusque, to me, is a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on because I think he's ready for a breakout season. This is his third season as a full season as a pro, and that's typically when uh, the young stars really start to blossom. He had a 42-point season last year in 68 games played. I think he's going to smash that. He's going to probably be a candidate for up to 60 points playing alongside David Krejci from day one. And Carlson, Carson Kuhlman is a guy who... Uh, figures to try and crack the top six on the right wing in uh, maybe the most significant change on the roster up front he only played 11 games for the big club and had five points but I think a regular shift there he could be a candidate for 40 to 50 points this season rounding out the third unit Anders Bjork uh, played 20 games and got three points last year Charlie Coyle uh, was an interesting addition at the trade deadline and he really thrived here I think he could be really sneaky good value as a third line center he had 34 points last season I think he's going to crack that 40 mark here in Boston and rounding out the right wing side on that line Danton Heinen a guy that has been just a step behind Jake DeBrusque in terms of his development he had 34 points last year in 77 games to round out the top nine AJ there's a few other guys that are going to be vying for roles here why don't you tell us about them and your comments on the top nine yeah absolutely I mean it's it's the top line is going to lead the way here as they always have in Boston. That's definitely not going to change. Um, I'm interested to see what that third line, that Bacchus coil Heinen uh, line can do. I think uh, there's opportunities for them to be a depth scoring group. Uh, and then one other player who could factor into the mix here is going to be par Lindholm, uh, a center uh, mostly has spent uh, time in the minors and uh, he's going to probably factor in a little bit right at the onset here, depending on whether or not David Krejci is ready to, to play all indications are he'll be ready for opening night um, but that is kind of a lingering issue so par Lindholm another player that'll be in the mix uh, on the back line it's more of the same for what we're used to here Zdeno Chara leading the way with Charlie McAvoy who's got his uh, money in his pocket now and is uh, raring and ready to go I'm sure followed by Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo making up the second group Carlo not exactly a fantasy contributor uh, just 10 points in, in 72 games last year but he'll give crew kind of that freedom to play uh you know into the the offensive game and then the last group uh right now figures to be matt uh Grizelchik, uh and connor clifton who's uh primarily an ahl guy last year 27 points in 53 games in the minors last year just one assist in 19 uh, nhl games but right now kevin miller uh is out he's uh f still uh you know not gonna be ready for the season opener i expect him to be out maybe uh mid-october uh and then things will change but for now connor clifton is the guy uh, that'll slot in there and he could uh, provide some quality DFS uh, option there, you know, in the interim. I don't know that I'm ready to pick him up in a season-long league just because of that uncertainty. Um, but for now, uh, probably a guy that you might want to look at in those DFS lineups.
Boy, for, for me, Tory Krug is, is the guy I want to highlight here, AJ. And it's ju- just because the guy had 53 points, only 64 games played. You project that ratio out to a full season, he's right up there with the two San Jose studs. But the trouble is that Krug has had concussion issues in the past. He's, he's coming off his third straight 50-plus point season, but those lingering concussion issues put a big, bit of a question mark on him for me. And uh, it, But if he can stay healthy, boy, what a return. So that's a real gamble among the top-end defensemen in the league uh, to pick him early. So if, if he kind of slides a little bit, then yeah, I'm, I'm much more interested and inclined to take him. But Charlie McAvoy, a good reserve here in terms of the top-end defensemen that are possible in the league. I think he's going to really uh, blossom here in Boston next to Zdeno Chara. What better starting point can a, could a youngster ask for uh, as he uh, gets into his NHL career? McAvoy, 28 points in 54 games. Again, uh, limited by injuries. Uh, project that out to a full season. He's a 40-point guy at the minimum. Uh, um, in terms of the goaltending mix, familiar names uh, split the duties here. One of the older tandems in terms of average age, but there's quality there. Tuka Rask played 46 games, won 27 of them, a sparkling 2.48 goals against average. It was all about the playoff run for the Bruins here, and that's why they are really lucky to have a guy like Yaro Halak in reserve. He art- appeared in 40 games in the regular season, didn't hit the ice pretty much at all in the playoffs, and that's by design. He won 22 games in the regular season and put up a 234 goals against average. I think you can see Tuka Rask uh, probably aim for about that 50-game mark here uh, to up the ante a little bit, but... Uh, don't be surprised if they go almost a, a split here, just like they did last season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this might be one of the best uh, potential handcuffs in the league here. You know, uh, being able to draft both of these guys in, in season long and kind of use them together. I think uh, I generally avoid handcuffs, but this might be the one uh, exception I would make to my personal rule because these guys were so good last year trading off and, and really could split it. So um, definitely something to, to consider there. We'll move on to our next club, the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, starts, uh, you know, it depends which line you want to consider the top line here. Uh, it seems to change on a nightly basis, but we'll start, uh, in my opinion, it's Jeff Skinner, uh, anchoring the top line. And it looks like early, uh, indications from practices yesterday that Skinner will be centered by Marcus Johansson, uh, which is kind of a unique, uh, swing for him generally has been a winger there. Um, but that was the look they gave at least at practice yesterday. So we'll see if that carries on. Uh, into the league and then Vladimir Sabaka getting uh, the right wing side here Uh, this is a guy that really uh, you know needs to show up this season had just 13 points was limited to to 69 games but some of that was just being a a healthy scratch really did not produce the same way he had uh, in you know in St. Louis the year before so um, it looks like he'll get a shot at the top not uh, top six for now but uh, definitely could be bounced out now uh for the other line the one a one b here you've got jack eichel uh centering a group with sam reinhardt on his right these two have really meshed well eichel 82 points in 77 games last year reinhardt 65 points in 82 games uh and these guys will be paired up uh pretty much all season long now who their winger is that could change on a nightly weekly basis again based off practice yesterday it looks like victor olafson is going to get the look there uh and that's a spot he's been uh, all you know kind of throughout training camp has been with those guys 
Uh, he's a rookie player, uh, you know, got into six games last year, not a, you know, kind of just a cup of coffee, but four points in those six outings. So uh, definitely uh, going to be in the mix here for, for a spot. Your third line is another group of really uh, should be producers, whether they can be, uh, you know, seems to change. But you got Casey Middlestat centering a line with Jimmy Vesey on the left and then likely Connor Sheary, though he's still day to day uh, with an injury here. So we'll again, we'll see this uh, forward group to me. There's some kind of uh, consistency here. Eichel will play with Reinhardt. That's for sure. Skinner. Uh, is going to be a top six guy also for sure. He might play with Eichel and Reinhardt sometimes. He might not. But other than that, this top nine is really, I think, very flexible. There's a couple of other guys here that could factor in. And, Paul, I'll kick it to you to maybe uh, key in on some of those guys you think might uh, be X factors there in the top nine. Well, you mentioned Victor Olofsson. This guy was a pretty much a point-of-game player in the AHL last season, and they're counting on him to, to continue that pace or at least – be a guy that can be counted on for 50 to 60 points. If he gets top line minutes with Eichel, he's going to get there, in my opinion. But uh, I, I don't understand, A.J., why they would split up Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel. That was a great partnership last year. And uh, on the other, right flank the, on that, that line uh, uh, that I would like to see, Sam Reinhart uh, reached 65 points for a career best. Uh, I think he's scratching the surface of what he could be. Kyle Pozo for me, the worst contract almost in this division, I would say. <laughs> They're paying big bucks for this guy. He only produced 29 points in 78 games. Got to be much better than that. Jimmy Vesey's bounced around a little bit in the New York State, and he lands in Buffalo, and he's all excited to be there. Uh, 35 points for a guy who was highly regarded as a uh, free agent uh, out of the U.S. ranks a couple of seasons ago. Really haven't, hasn't reached the expectations that I had for him. Maybe he finds it here in the Queen City, but... Uh, uh, not as a third line winger. He needs to be better than that. I'll, I'm surprised about the Marcus Johansson move as well. I think it's an experiment that is doomed to be temporary. And so watch for him to slide back to the right wing eventually. There's a lot of uh, things in flux here. And uh, I always have a little bit of time for Curtis Lazar, who was the captain of Canada's junior hockey team a couple of years ago. Things haven't really materialized for him at the NHL level, but he had a nice season in the AHL last year, 41 points in 57 games played. I like to see things come together for a guy who has all the tools, I think, to be a pretty good player in this league. It just hasn't really figured it out yet. In terms of the back end here, uh, a couple of Rasmus is at the top pairing on the blue line here, uh, in my opinion. Dalin and Ristolainen, they might mix it up, though, and uh, sprinkle in some Jake McCabe and Colin Miller on those top two pairings to split up these two guys. Ristolainen has been the subject of a lot of trade rumors in the uh, preseason here, so I don't know if he's going to be meant to stay here, but it's all eyes on Dolan. He had a fantastic rookie season, 44 points for a first-year defenseman as a teenager. That's outstanding, AJ, and I think the number one dra overall draft pick in his draft year, he's ready to build on that, so I think he's a solid value in terms of fantasy play, uh, night in, night out, uh, anchoring the bu Buffalo power play. In terms of other value here, I see Colin Miller is a guy that came over from Vegas. Uh, he was highly sought after in the offseason. I know the Leafs were even interested in him. Uh, he uh, has a, all the skills, a fast skater, hard shot, and could help them out on the power play if they choose to go with a two-defenseman look back there. He had 29 points in 65 games played. That projects almost to a 40-point season in the NHL in a full year, and I think uh, he's got a shot to reach that mark in Buffalo. What's your slant on this defensive group? 
Well, I think Ristolainen was certainly uh, a candidate to be traded, but then you have Matt Hunwick uh, lost for the season. You've got Zach Bogosian out for almost all of October, and then Brandon Mon- uh, Brandon Montour is questionable heading into opening night. So, uh, just those sheer number of injuries on that blue line really uh, make it uh, kind of questionable. Uh, I, you know, if they had made a move over the summer, they probably would be regretting it right now and be, you know, really, really thin on this back line. So maybe they consider moving him once Bogosian's healthy. But uh, at this point, I think he's staying uh, in Buffalo right there on the back end. You've got Carter Hutton likely to lead the way for, for the season, but I think Hutton is on a real short leash here. So last season, first uh, time being the true number one played 50 games last year, only 18 wins, uh, 25 losses, five overtime losses, and the worst, uh, second worst uh, G, uh, goals against average of his career at three. Um, so I think he's on a real short leash with Linus Olmark uh, looking over his shoulder here. Uh, Olmark, his numbers last year weren't significantly better, um, but he's you know the the player that's been you know in development for a while they've been waiting for when is Omar going to take over and Sabres fans I'm sure are feeling it uh as well you know Hutton brought in to be the number one guy until Omar's ready well Hutton hasn't really lived up to expectations and it seems like Omar might finally be ready so uh Hutton projects to start I think he'll play uh, a full 50 games ish this season. But if he struggles early, that could flip very quickly. In my opinion, Paul, what say you about this goalie tandem? Yeah. Last year, neither one of them really impressed AJ. You touched on the goals against average, both of them North of the three mark or at the three mark and above. And so, Really, one of these guys has to step up and grasp, grab the gra- brass ring here. They got a lot of other pieces in place, so if if one of them can carry a hot hand, this team could surprise. But uh, off last season's performance, it's not to be expected. Maybe uh, it's worth noting waiting in the wings, uh, a youngster, twenty-year-old Yuka Pekka Lukanen. What a mouthful that is! Boy, aren't you <laughs> glad I took that name on? He played at one game in Rochester and got the win with the two goals against in that one. But uh, he played most of the season in Sudbury last season in the OHL and crafted a 250 goals against average in a high-scoring league, winning 38 games and putting uh, putting in lots of time there in 53 uh, outings. So that's a guy they have. Uh, in terms of long-term look here in Buffalo, maybe worth a pick in a dynasty league, I guess, if you're looking for depth and quality down the road here, he might be the answer. But it looks like Hutton and Ulmark, it's going to be win-and-you're-in kind of thing deal here. So it could be uh, even a split if, if uh, they go that route. Uh, up next, the Detroit Red Wings and a friend of the show, Jimmy DeVolano, and I spent quite a bit of time together at Blue Jay Games this year, and he was touting the uh, mix up front here which uh, i i'm a big fan of the top six here and it begins with the likes of youngsters all over the place uh, no veterans in the mix that i see tyler bertuzzi T- dylan larkin anthony mantha that's a pretty young top line dylan larkin for me is a guy that's very underrated as one of the the top young players in the league and and i think uh, the centerpiece for the next wave of detroit red, red wings uh, in terms of their growth and the rebuild that's going on here. They've picked the right guy to be the centerpiece, in my opinion, and uh, he, he should be able to flirt with a point-per-game mark just as he did last year, 73 points in 76 games. On the wing, Mantha, 48 points in 67 games. I'd like to see him play a full season, and I think he can threaten the 60-point mark there. Bertuzzi's kind of a little bit less 
uh, of a value play. Maybe 50 points is his ceiling. On the second line, Andreas Athanasiu and Philip Zidina on the wings, flanking veteran Franz Nielsen in the middle of the ice. Nielsen, 35 points in 72 games. They'd like to do better than that in the middle of the second line. But Zadina is a guy who was highly regarded in junior and uh, had a decent year in the AHL. Uh, his mouth, uh, he, he says that he's going to be a better point producer, way better point producer, but he talked a lot before the season started last year. I need to see the production on the ice, folks, but on that line, it's Athanasio who's going to drive things, and he threatens the 60-point mark, in my opinion. Third liner, uh, interesting name here, Taro Hyros from Michigan State. He had 50 points in 36 game play, games played for the university. Uh, he had a cameo in the NHL, seven points in 10 games. I think he's a guy who could threaten for top six minutes if a guy like Bertuzzi flounders here. Val Philpola here is in his second tour of duty, friend of the GM, uh, Steve Eiserman. He's back after producing 31 points in 72 games last season. Adam Ernie moves up from a fourth-line role in Tampa to play third-line minutes in, in Detroit, 20 points in 65 games. The big winger has a chance to do much better in the point total there. But it's pluggers after that on the th- fourth line and so on. Uh, AJ, I don't see a lot of value beyond this. Maybe Evgeny Shvechnikov would have threatened things, but he's hurt right now. Any comments from you? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, uh, I'm not as high on this forward group as, as you definitely sound there, Paul. Uh, I will tell you this, I will be high on this forward group in about two years um, as they kind of continue to develop. They've got, as you said, a, a ton of youngsters that really need um, to, to take steps forward. Uh, you men- mentioned Zadena and Hyros. Uh, I think, um, you know, there's uh, Christoph N uh, is another option here. He's expected to at least make the team out of camp. Uh, he did play 60 games last year, just nine points. I think he can do better than that. Uh, I would expect him to maybe be closer to 20 uh, for a full season. Uh, and then, you know, there's Ryan Kuffner uh, who put up 44 points in 31 games with Princeton last year. Another guy who could uh, maybe, you know, get a, get a look down the road here. And so there's definitely um, some some guys that are options, Matthew Ford and another one, 24 points in 61 games uh, in the AHL last year. So really uh, there's opportunities here uh, for guys to step up. I'm not high on them this year, but I do think they're trending in the right direction. Give them another year or two uh, for some of these younger guys to develop. I know obviously Dylan Larkin's not one who wants to wait, but he's still only 23. So he's got plenty of time here. Uh, So the guys that don't have as much time are, are a couple of these guys on the on the blue line who uh, are getting up there, uh, you know, a little bit in age. You've got Mike Green, the 33-year-old. You've got Trevor Daly. He's 35. Uh, and so there's, there's a couple of uh, vets here that, uh, you know, uh, will slot in on this group. There's really, in my opinion, uh, there's only one kind of healthy, uh, uh, you know, fantasy option here, and that's Mike Green if he can play a full season. Now, uh, all indications are he's good to go after uh, that liver uh, disease that he dealt with last year. But uh, I have questions, you know, I, for season long, I'm not sure I'm taking him. I, that just worries me. It, you know, there was never really a clear, like, 
is this a one-time thing or is this something um, that he has to manage and, and, you know, kind of live with? There's no real answer there. And obviously I don't need to get into his, you know, personal, personal medical uh, file here, but it definitely worries me whether or not he's going to play a full 82 games. If he does, I think he can produce, produce solid uh, numbers for me. The rest of the group here, Danny DeKaiser, 20 points in 52 games. Uh, if he's a little bit healthier, maybe a factor, uh, Philip Ronick, uh, 23 points in 46 games. Again, if he plays a full 82 game season, maybe. Um, but then from there, Jonathan Erickson, five points in 52. I'm not counting on him. Same with Madison Bowie and Trevor Daly. I just, you know, he found it the couple of years in Pittsburgh, but other than that really has not been uh, a point producer at, at, in any of his other stops. So Paul, what do you think? Uh, you know, are you willing to go for a guy like Mike green? And, and do you think, you know, a Heronic, or Danny DeKaiser in a full 82 game makes sense at all? Or, or are you shying away from this blue line? You know what? I like to refer to the fact that sometimes I just put a big X through a portion of a team. And this is one case where I'm tempted to do that. Mike Green, to me, too much of a risk, AJ. And if that's the case, they're going to give Danny DeKaiser a ton of ice time. Maybe he's the guy with the upside if that turns out. But even he had an injury-limited season last year. As you pointed out, only 20 points in 52 games played. There's not a lot of high-end defense value here on the, on the Red Wings blue line, sadly. But uh, DeKaiser might be the guy that I'd take a flyer on in the last pick of a draft. Maybe nothing more risky than that, in my opinion. And the guys that pay for this un- instability on the blue line are the tandem and net of another veteran pairing and uh, two guys again who were north of the three goals against average and I think that that's the neighborhood they'll reside in as long as there's such uncertainty on the blue line and that's Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier Jimmy Howard had uh, 55 games played 23 wins he faced more rubber than uh, some guys on the line in the Ford factories, I think. And uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe he'll be needing a lot of help from Jonathan Bernier to hold the Ford here, just as last year. Bernier appeared in 35 games, though only nine wins. And as I said, a goals against average of 3.16. They have Calvin Pickard in reserve. He appeared in 17 games, four wins last season in a couple of tours around the league, and a 3.86 goals against average. So you can see, again, there's no no answer in the nets here uh, based on the uncertainty on the back end. In my opinion, this might be a tandem that, uh, while they're veterans and they have some value, not high-end enough for me to be interested in them. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I'm sticking with these guys purely in a, in a DFS uh, you know, uh, situation if the matchup you know, bodes well for them. Uh, you know, if they're getting a team coming off a of back to back, they're at home. Uh, and you know, if they're, you know, playing Ottawa or something, you know, there's a couple situations where I think these guys can definitely help in DFS. They're going to have low salaries. Um, you know, so that that's a play, but for season long, I, I think I'm staying away from it just because as you pointed out there, there's going to be a lot of rubber here and you have to wonder if this is going to be the last year, uh, for Jimmy Howard, you know, he's, uh, 30, uh, 35 years old. You know, we've seen other goalies hang around for a little bit longer. He played 55 games last year. So definitely health, not a concern, but he's been in this league for 13 years, all of them with Detroit. He's in the last year of his contract. So I uh, really have to wonder if we've seen, you know, if this is going to be it for him. And, uh, you know, if it is, I think he had a, had a great career. He should definitely be happy about it. Um, maybe they can help him get a few more wins here uh, as he heads off in the sunset, but we'll see. Maybe he comes back, uh, you know, signs, signs another deal. There was questions about his future when he signed this contract. So we'll, we'll certainly see there. 
Uh, from there, we'll head over, uh, head down south, and we'll talk about the Florida Panthers here, uh, headlined by their top group here. Uh, you know, Jonathan Huberto, 92 points in 82 games. Alexander Barkov, 96 points in 82 games. These guys are uh, everything you want in fantasy play. Evgeny Dadunov, 70 points in 82 games. You've got a top line that all played 82 games last year. It's really hard to complain about that uh, as a fan or uh, a fantasy owner here. And so uh, I would trust these guys to, to do it again. And we'll get to it in a little bit, but these guys will have a, a world-class netminder behind them, and that's only going to serve uh, to improve uh, everything that they get to do on the ice. And I, so I love this top group uh, and really some guys that you can snag there. Uh, the second line looking uh, like it's going to be Mike Hoffman, another 82-game player last year with 72 points. He'll be centered by Vinny Trocek. And then uh, Brett Connolly going to be on the right-hand side. I think this is a good opportunity for Connolly uh, to see a slight uptick in, in points here, playing uh, a more prominent role with Washington. He did get shots at the top six, um, but I think more often than not, he also found himself on a, on a third-line role as well. And so I think he'll probably cement himself because after him, uh, I don't really love the options that they have here. So uh, I think this top six is really locked in, and I think any one of these guys – uh, you know, is certainly viable in, near, in pretty much any fantasy format. They're going to put up points. Uh, and I, I love this top six group in here from there. As I said, it drops off a little bit. You've got Dennis Malgin uh, and maybe Frank Vitrano at center and maybe Henrik uh, Borgstrom. They might switch those guys around a little bit, but I think Vitrano will be on the wing primarily. Um, and then Borgstrom centering that group. And then the fourth line is uh, to steal a turn from you, Paul, is going to be a couple pluggers here uh, to fill that out. So for me, it's the top six and then uh, kind of staying away from everything else. Do you find any value here from those guys uh, in those uh, you know bottom two lines, Paul? Nah, you know what? The guy that I'm going to keep an eye on is the third liner, Borgstrom. This guy fits the mold of the uh, the Giants that they have on the two-thirds of the top line, Huberto and Barkov. Skilled big men, and Borgstrom might be another one, but he's uh, been slow developing, only 18 points in 50 games played. That's why they still project him as a third-line value here. But uh, if he turns it up a notch, I think he could threaten uh, Brett Connolly, perhaps, on the wing on that second line. But other than that, you nailed the top six, in my opinion. Connolly's the only one who's iffy there, but certainly Hoffman is a bit of an underrated value in my opinion so is Trocek Trocek was limited by injury only played 55 games but produced 34 points that projects to a 50 point season that's kind of what the the floor of what you wanted a center uh, on the second line so he should be able to deliver that and Mike Hoffman could threaten the 30 goal mark again don't forget he plays a lot of power play minutes here so I think there's sneaky good value in him on in terms of uh, DFS play perhaps uh, and and as well season long on the blue line here there are a couple of name recognition types that I like to highlight off the top Keith Yandel is maybe one of the more underrated top scoring defensemen in hockey he reached a 60 point mark last season one of his best of his career but he's getting a little long in the tooth there so I'm a little concerned about that aspect Aaron Ekblad it was a couple of years ago AJ that people were saying oh this guy's a surefire hall of famer this that and the other thing he slumped only 37 points last season and that that is a bit of a concern for me because again he looks like the total package of big physical player with all kinds of offensive skill 
not really putting it together last season. I'm hoping that he has a rebound season for uh, for the sake of the Panthers. They'll need that in order to qualify for full season play. I think it's all uh, primarily dependent on how he really responds to what was a down year for, for him uh, in light of a lot of success around him on this team. In terms of uh, other players on this blue line, Mike Matheson and Anton Strahlman, they're pretty good puck carriers, puck movers, but their point totals aren't reflecting that in terms of what they did last season. 27 points in 75 games for Matheson, only 17 in 47 games for Strahlman, who moves across state here in, in Florida and hopes to revive a career that he was on a pretty good trajectory there for a long time as a 35-40 to 40 point player and uh, far off that pace when you consider the point total but don't forget he missed 35 games last season so maybe he has an uptick in the points i could see him reaching the 30 point mark here maybe as his ceiling Mackenzie Weger, Mark Pissick, both defensive-minded defensemen on the third pairing. Not really a lot of offensive value there. In fact, there might not be anywhere else on this defensive roster in Florida. What's your thoughts, AJ? Yeah, look, if you want, you know, solid, uh, consistent produce, uh, production without having to worry about it, Keith Yandel's your guy. Uh, I think Ekblad, as you mentioned, can be uh, pretty consistent as well, a little bit further down uh, from Yandel in terms of, you know, what he'll produce. And I think you're absolutely right. I think Anton Strowman uh, is the kind of wild card here. You know, playing uh, the last few years in Tampa has kind of seen a reduced role, 22 points in 2016, 18 in 2017, and 17 points last year. So really uh, that has ticked down, but I think he's probably going to play a more prominent role here, could end up on a second power play unit. It's not outside of the question there. Uh, he's that's a role he's played in in the past uh, and excel that. And so I think if he can uh, earn his way onto that second group, there's a, a serious possibility that he's a 30 point producer again this season. Now, this is a, a riskier play. Like I said, Yandel's your surefire guy. Um, but Anton Stroman, I think you're right that right. Uh, Paul, 30 points is definitely a possibility. Uh, in the Nets, it won't be Roberto Luongo for the first time uh, in several years. Um, but they've replaced him with uh, quite the stud there in Sergei Bobrovsky. They paid him the big dollar contract to come over uh, from Columbus in free agency here. Seven year, $70 million deal. Uh, so he is certainly not hurting for the Bucks. And oh, let's not forget, Florida doesn't have income tax. So Sergei Bobrovsky <laughs> making some huge money there. Uh, but he deserves it. You know, he played uh, 62 games last year, one of the eight uh, 60 game guys. He's hit that mark in each of the last three seasons. He's also hit uh, at least 37 wins in each of the last three seasons. I think uh, 40 is certainly not out of the question for Bobrovsky this year. I expect to see the goals against average will drop a little bit playing uh, with uh, a stronger forward grouping here. It was up around 2.58 last season, uh, and that's with nine shutouts on the books. So that tells you a couple bad, uh, bad games were in there. But I think we'll see that come back down a little bit. I definitely uh, could see him being closer uh, to 2.3 or even 2.2 this year. I am kind of expecting uh, good things here for him. He'll be backed up by Samuel Montembeau. Uh, and we'll see what he gets in terms of action, but it won't be much more than, say, 20 games. Could be even less if Bobrovsky plays upwards of 65, which I think is not out of the question here. That's the uh, blue, uh, the crease as I see it, Paul. How about you? Are you ready to put a quote into the time capsule, AJ? <laughs> Sergey Bobrovsky, $10 million a year. He starts that at age 31. 
I'm saying long before he reaches the end of that term, people are going to say, that's a ridiculous and stupid contract. How about that? <laughs> he got 37 wins last year. He'll be hard-pressed to reach that in Florida in this tough division. I do expect the goals against average to be in the neighborhood of what it was last year, 2.6, but uh, I expect the win total to creep down a little bit. Uh, behind him, Samuel Moltenbo is going to continue his... Uh, his uh, early part of his career where he's just learning the ropes here as an apprentice, he'll be uh, the caddy back here and probably won't appear in more than 20 games for the Panthers. So uh, not a lot of fantasy value there unless Bobrovsky get, gets hurt. But mark my words, before the end of that deal, people are going to be saying that's a lot of money for a guy who's getting along in the tooth. And uh, that's the way I see it anyway. In terms of the Montreal Canadiens, that's the next team up in the forward lines. A bunch of young, smallish players, as has been the, the tendency here for years. Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, Brendan Gallagher, none of whom reached the 60-point marks. That's uh, indicative of the concern here in Montreal. Can they get some 60-plus point production out of some of these guys? For me, the best candidate in, of that trio, Brendan Gallagher, perhaps, plays the game the way I like it. Uh, rough and tumble, gets involved, puts a lot of shots on goal. If you are in leagues that value the shots on goal, this guy could be a very good value for you, and I'm looking for him uh, uh, in my draft, uh, if I can get him for that reason alone, almost. He gets involved in the play a lot. Uh, Arturi Lekkonen, Max Domi, and Jonathan Drouin, second lineup, and second line, in my opinion. Max Domi had a career year in Montreal, proving to the pundits that this guy was this, the same player who was a star in London for many years in the OHL. And he plays in a hockey market that matters now, and it seems to have motivated him. But uh, in terms of Jonathan Drouin, 53 points in 81 games. That's a disappointment for me for all the talent. This guy possesses AJ, and they got to find a way to get more out of him, and he could lose that second-line gig to a youngster like a Nick Suzuki. Suzuki had a fantastic camp. He had a great year in the OHL, and, and he's made this team out of camp and could be a surprise contributor in the top six. Failing that, he'll uh, likely get more minutes with a guy like Jasperi Kotkaniemi, who is being brought along slowly. They project this guy as a potentially a first-line center on this team. I can I can say with certainty that the the club would like to see that happen sooner rather than later. Rounding out the top nine is Paul Byron, and beyond that, we certainly saw a great debut for a guy like Ryan Poling last season. In the last game, he got a hat trick against the Leafs in the last night of the season. Uh, he's projected as a as a guy that might get a look at some point, but uh, other than that, he can look forward to some seasoning in the minors, but could be a factor down the road here. So a good dynasty pick, perhaps. Your thoughts on the Montreal forwards, AJ? Yeah, so for me, uh, I like the youth that they have coming up. That you, the guys that you highlighted, Jasper Kotkaniemi, uh, Nick Suzuki, and Ryan Poling. I think Poling could make this uh, team coming out of camp here, and I think could uh, stick around for a while. I don't know that he's going to have to spend a ton of time in the minors. Maybe if he struggles a little bit on the uh, at the onset, they'll move him down to to get him uh, some more minutes. Um, but I definitely think he could be a factor here. Suzuki, uh, I peg him to potentially play on the power play, which is only going to further boost his numbers. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, I do this to myself every year. I'm hoping Arturi Lekkonen can finally produce. Uh, is coming off a, a, I say career year with, you know, air quotes here, 31 <laughs> points last season. This is a guy that I really think could be a 20 goal scorer, but just has never really put it together. 
Um, maybe if they can find the right combination for him here, uh, honestly, he could benefit from playing on a, in a third line role against, you know, better matchups, uh, playing alongside Suzuki and Kotanemi, uh, could be a, a, a viable option for him. So we'll, we'll see what happens. He's, he's the guy that I'll take with a late pick almost every year. Uh, and then I drop him by about halfway through the season when he's, you know, not living up to my expectations, but, uh, I'm hoping that maybe this is the year. Uh, that he can turn things around on the blue line. Uh, it's going to be led uh, by that top pairing of Victor Mete and Shea Weber. Uh, Weber continues to deal with injuries. You know, that has been uh, a big problem for him really since joining Montreal. Um, you know, the first year there, he played 78 games, put together a 40, po- uh, 42 point season, really solid numbers. But the last two, 26 games in in 2017 and only 58 last year still managed to put up 33 points. So this is a guy that if he's healthy, uh, I think can definitely get back over 40 could even push, push for 50 still, uh, playing top power play minutes, but that health just is a big, big concern for me. And I, I really question, uh, you know, whether he can still be a 70 to 80 game player, uh, from there, you know, your, your DFS, uh, um, I'm sorry, your fantasy value kind of drops off. Ben Sherratt, 20 points in 78 games. A decent mid-range option uh, in some of those those deeper formats. Jeff Petrie, 46 points in 82 games. I think his point production is really tied to whether or not Shea Weber uh, is playing or not. If if Weber plays 78 games, 75 games, I think uh, Petrie's numbers are going to drop off there. Uh, and then from there, it looks like we're going to see uh, Brett Kulak and Kale, uh, Kale Flurry is a, a player who could factor in in this group. Now, uh, there's still some decisions to be made. Obviously, they've got uh, Christian Fullen uh, in the mix, Mike Riley as well. But I think Flurry, uh, Flurry could be a factor here. He had 23 points in uh, 60 games last season in, in the minors. And that's because of the Noah Yulson injury. This continues to be a long-term uh, issue for him. Uh, he's dealing with, uh, you know, persistent headaches uh, related to that facial injury uh, he suffered last year and that has impacted his vision. And I don't know that he's necessarily out of the woods of that being a, a career ending injury for him. We'll see. Hopefully uh, the, the specialist he's meeting with can improve that. And I think if he can get healthy, uh, he'll factor in. But for now, uh, I just don't see it. And so I, I think Kale Flurry actually will have the inside track, though. Christian Fullen could be in the mix here. You know what? Uh, I like your comment on Jeff Petrie. Petrie, his production indeed has been tied to Weber's health. So you look at it initially, you think, oh, you got two guys at potential of 40 points on this blue line. But I think if Weber does play the full season, it means that Petrie's power play time is diminished and that it might be hard for him to reach that 40 mark. And beyond that, I don't understand why Victor Mete's on the top pairing here, AJ. The guy's played about 100 games in the NHL, yet to score a goal. He's five foot nine. He's only got 13 assists in 71 games. Played a lot of those games alongside Weber. You got to get more point production than that uh, by accident. So I don't really get that in the top pairing. But you look at the other options here, there's not a lot of value. Maybe Ben Sherrod is a guy who gets a bit of an offensive uptick, just a bit because they they need somebody who who will be there to get some points by accident and Sherratt's a veteran been around the league for a while it's an interesting pairing that way with him and Petri I, Petri I like that uh, 
pairing in terms of the overall acumen. But again, I don't see a real fantasy upside here beyond Weber if he's healthy. So a big, bit of a question mark on the Montreal blue line. And uh, the guy that's going to be working behind that, as he has for years, is Carey Price. Now, he's another guy who's in his 30s and is just in the early part of a $10 million plus contract hit. I think I can repeat what I said about Bobrovsky. They're going to rue that deal before it's all said and done. But right now, Carey Price ranks still like Bobrovsky as one of the top goalies in the league. Again, he'll be hard-pressed to reach the 35-win mark that he did last year just because this is a very tough division and a lot of teams have really improved. And I don't think Montreal can be named in that group of the teams that have improved in the offseason. So he'll be hard-pressed to keep that goals against south of 250 like he did last year. But the smart thing the Habs did, in my opinion, the smartest thing, is they brought in a veteran backup who is capable of playing should Price need a bit of a break or if he gets an injury tweak here or there. And that's Kevin Keith Kincaid. 41 games played last year. He won't reach that mark at all unless there's a disaster with Price. He did pull off 15 wins, but the goals against average was a little high at 336. And beyond that, in the AHL, the guys had a couple of cups of coffee. In the NHL, that's Charlie Lindgren. He had 11 wins in 33 starts. Not a great ratio there. And a high uh, goals against average of 2.94 for that league. AJ, your thoughts on the Montreal goaltending mix? Yeah, I think what you're going to get with uh, Keith Kincaid uh, signing with the team is that Carey Price isn't going to have to play over 60 games this year. Uh, I would expect him to be a little bit closer to 55 uh, and I think that's just to keep him fresh and, and maybe try uh, and help him, you know, uh, be healthier longer into the season and, and be more competitive throughout. Uh, so I think that's the biggest factor here in terms of Kincaid uh, signing. You'll see Carey Price's uh, games played drop here. Uh, I peg him to drop below 60. I, I think 55 is a good mark. It could be 50, you know, upwards of 59. But I would be surprised if it's over 60, especially when you have a guy uh, like Kincaid behind you. Uh, from there, we'll move on to the Ottawa Senators, uh, who head into the season with a pretty different uh, looking club here. They've they've kind of moved things around. A little bit uh, in terms of uh, what they've got here and, and it'll start uh, on the top line they'll they'll have their uh, kind of star player at this point Brady to 45 points in 71 games last year I expect that to go up I really think he'll uh, avoid a sophomore slump here I think 60 is not outside of the uh, outside the realm of possibility for him and then uh, it looks like Colin White will be his center 20, uh, 41 points for him last year. Again, I think if Tuchuk's numbers go up, I think Colin White's numbers will go with him. Uh, and then I'm pegging, uh, I think Connor Brown coming over from Toronto is going to be their right winger here. Uh, I think he'll benefit from having uh, a bigger responsibility in a, a top six role here. Uh, you know, 29 points last year. I think he could definitely be 30, maybe 40 uh, for them, you know, getting out from behind, you know, Toronto, as you know, has that star-studded uh, top six there, and there really just was not a good opportunity for Brown, in, in my opinion, uh, to succeed there. Making up the second line, I've got Anthony Duclair, 33 points in 74 games. Uh, I think we've all always expected better out of him, uh, and it just hasn't shown uh, in any of his stops. This is a guy who's already played with five different teams uh, in his you know young career, and, and we'll see. Uh, if he can stick around Ottawa a little bit longer, centered by Chris Tierney and then Bobby Ryan on the right-hand side uh, for this group. I think Ryan's the most uh, valuable pick out of that second-line grouping there. Uh, I think they could definitely use some improvement down the middle. 
uh, Tierney uh, put up decent numbers last year, 48 points. I think that's a little high for him. I would expect that to maybe drop off a little bit. The third grouping, you've got Tyler Ennis uh, coming in. Again, another one of those uh, former Leafs uh, joining uh, DJ Smith, the, the new coach there, centered by likely Artem Anisimov, uh, who was brought over in the Zach Smith trade uh, from Chicago, a guy that uh, has really produced pretty consistently uh, in his time in Chicago and in Columbus before that, uh, a veteran uh, kind of presence there to anchor that middle line. Uh, and then Drake Batherson, I think, slots in as your third uh, option here. Played just 20 games last year, but had nine points in it. That's probably the most fluid situation is that that right-hand side. I think Batherson could uh, get shots at, at top six minutes. I could see him also getting dropped down to fourth or even spending a game or two as a healthy scratch. Uh, put up solid numbers uh, in the minors, but just might not have it. Uh, a couple of nights here or there. So uh, it's also probably the most fluid group uh, overall in terms of how things could shake up, especially in this bottom six. There's a couple other guys, Michael Boddicker, Philip uh, Chiplek, that could all factor in as well. Uh, Paul, how do you like these forwards? I I don't like them as a group. I don't see a lot of <laughs> fantasy upside here, AJ. But in terms of the guys that I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, Connor Brown to me, was one of my favorites with the Leafs, and he really never got an extended time on on the top six just because it was so deep. But I think the guy's a very responsible two-way player, and he'll be the defensive conscience on that top line, and I think he should should really threaten the 40-point mark offensively as well. He's been a 20-goal scorer in this league, and he'll get every opportunity to reach that mark again over here. But Brady Tuchuk will carry the flag offensively, and Colin White might be a sneaky good value as his running mate on that top unit. But as you say, there's going to be lots of movement here. We're going to be talking about roster uh, lineup changes all year long in this in this grouping. Duclair is another guy who's running out of chances. If he doesn't make it here, he's destined to be out of hockey soon, I, I would suggest. 33 points in 74 games uh, for the talent that this kid possesses, that possesses. That's a disappointment last year, and he has to do much better than this year, and really the challenge, the ball is in his court. Michael Bodker is another guy who could threaten for top six minutes here, and if he does, he'll top the 35 points that he got in 71 games played. Scott Sabarin is an interesting guy. If you're in a penalty minute league, this guy was running around like a headless chicken in the exhibition series, <laughs> AJ, and he took on all comers. He pounded Max Domi, which I kind of liked, actually, in the game that I I saw the other night between the Habs and the, and the Senators. Domi really got it. This, uh, if I can go back to him for a second, one of the sneaky, dirty players, in my opinion, in the league and uh, chirps like a son of a gun. So I'm glad that Scott Sabrin fed him his lunch the other night, if I can say that. <laughs> I'm not a Habs fan. Did I mention that? <laughs> <laughs> and how about the blue line grouping here in Ottawa? We got Thomas Shabbat. Uh, you know, people look at the Ottawa Senators and say there's no fantasy value. If they do that, it's their peril because Shabbat, 55 points in 70 games played, is definitely a future star in this league. And he might already be considered a young superstar uh, given the point totals he's shown to date. Interesting to see me, for me that Nikita Zaitsev, another former Leaf, is drawing the assignment as his running mate on that top pair. 
pairing. He's got to be thrilled about that. And if he stays there, he's got to be uh, doubling his point total from the 14 he got in 81 games last year. Eric Brandstrom could be another bit of a wild card uh, coming up from the AHL. 32 points in 50 games played. He's going to be insulated by the defensive efficiency of another ex-Leaf, Ron Hainsey, who produced 23 points in 81 games played. But this guy is future coach material, in my opinion. So no better situation for Eric Brandstrom to, to learn the ropes here. And we'll see if he can produce, produce some level of offense. Beyond that, it's uh, a lot of depth, guys, with not too much in terms of fantasy upside. Maybe the best of the lot could be Dylan DeMello, who produced 22 points in 77 games. Uh, might keep an eye out for Christian Wolanin if he gets a look at, in, in the NHL. He got 12 points in 30 games last year and 31 points in 40 AHL tilts. So might be a bit of an offensive ability there, too, that we might see if he makes the grade. Your thoughts on this blue line? Yeah, I agree with you uh, in terms of uh, the best situation possible for Eric Branstrom. I think paired up with Ron Hainsey is phenomenal for him. Uh, It will give him the opportunity to learn. Uh, It will give him the opportunity to jump up in the play because Hainsey is so solid defensively and can really insulate him uh, against the occasional mistake or or mistime pinch uh, on that blue line. And so I really uh, expect uh, good things out of Branstrom this year. Uh, Again, you know, we've kind of, tilted uh, you know tipped our hand here a little bit in in terms of not being high on a lot of these guys in terms of uh you know season-long play but Branstrom I think could be a viable DFS option on a night-to-night basis again uh you know in terms of uh you know picking matchups and, and finding opportunities especially if he lands on the power play may be worth a look uh in in some of those deeper formats you know deeper leagues if you if you do need a guy uh, that could produce you know i agree i think will Lannon is uh, a future nhler that could uh, have some offensive upside unfortunately he's dealing with a, a torn labrum and that's going to keep him out for the next four months so we're looking at mid-january at a minimum and obviously uh i think they'll start him off in the minors so whether or not he'll even get a look this year uh remains to be seen maybe late in the season uh unfortunately that injury i think really sidelined him because i thought i think he had a shot to be perfectly honest at making this team out of training camp his injury probably helped uh branstrom secure his spot as well uh and so it's it is really unfortunate there in the nets Uh, I think we're going to see a pretty close to even split this year between Craig Anderson, who played 50 games with 17 wins last year, and Anders Nilsson. In fact, uh, if I if you made me pick on which guy would play more games, I might side uh, with Anders Nilsson here. I could see him taking over uh, as the number one option here if Craig Anderson continues to struggle. You look at his numbers last year, a a career worst, 3.51 goals against average. Now, granted, he doesn't have a great team around him, um, but that's you know, just not good enough to be your number one guy. And so I think that could, uh, if he's producing at the same level, I think that opens the door for Anders Nilsson to kind of take the reins and take over uh, as the number one here uh, this season and, and likely beyond, you know, Craig Anderson, 38 years old, probably doesn't have uh, too many seasons left here. And so we'll see, uh, you know, where he ends up. But uh, I expect an even split with Nilsson, probably the, the more likely of the two uh, to see 50 games this season. Yeah, I think that's an excellent call, AJ. If you're depending on a 38-year-old goalie uh, behind a team that has uh, so many deficiencies defensively as this one projects, uh, you you can't be counting on a guy who's uh, who's that age and coming off the worst season of his long and 
distinguished career, I'll say. He's been a warrior for a long time and had a lot, put in a lot of good years. Last year was not one of them. Anders Nilsson, 29 years old, no no spring chicken either in terms of hockey years, but uh, he's got a cup one more year after this on his deal and would be wise to, for him to step up and take the reins in order to secure a longer term in, in this situation if he hangs around the NHL um, in Ottawa. Uh, up next, we go from the uh, outhouse to the penthouse in this division. AJ, why don't you tell us about the forwards here? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to look at the the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it starts um, at the top line. You've got uh, Andre Palat, Steven Stamkos, um, anchoring that top group with Nikita Kucherov. You know, I think uh, Stamkos potentially uh, could get a look on uh, on the wing as well throughout the season, depending on what they want to do down the middle. But I think uh, the Palat, Stamkos, Kucherov, these are stud players all around. Palat was sidelined to just uh, 64 games last year. And so that'll kind of limit uh, his, his options there, um, but still managed to get 34 points. And I think fully healthy, I uh, expect him to be upwards of 50, maybe even higher than that. Uh, your second line, once, you know, once the season kind of uh, comes around into full swing, it sounds like Braden Point's not going to play in the first game, but once it gets there, he'll anchor uh, that uh, that second line alongside Tyler Johnson, another player who is questionable heading into opening night, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long-term injury for him. At least that's the, the early indications here. Uh, and who plays on the left side is the biggest question mark here. I think Yanni Gord is, is an option. I think Matthew Joseph could also factor there as well. And honestly, Patrick Maroon, I, I think we could see kind of a revolving door here, um, you know, and, and see what's uh, what's going on there. So uh, from there, uh, the third line projects, I think, right now to be uh, Patrick Maroon, Anthony Sorelli and Matthew Joseph Sorelli, 39 points in 82 games. I think he can get back there and, and do it again. Maroon uh, joining this club uh, had 28 points uh, last season, I think, could see that go up as well. And then your third line, uh, Alex Killorn, Cedric Perquette uh, is dealing with an injury, so he's uh, going to miss the first couple of games of the season uh, with an arm injury. But again, he'll be back, I think, overall. And then Carter Verhaeg. Uh, 82 points in 76 games in the minors last year, uh, I think factors in there as well. And he's another one. I could honestly see him competing uh, for top six minutes with that second line, with that point in uh, Johnson group. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Paul, what do you think about these forwards? I think they're the reason why this team is the class in this division, AJ, quite simply. Uh, in terms of a pretty good, solid one-two punch at center, it doesn't get much better than Stankos and Point. Not to worry about the fact that Point missing may miss the first game or two. I think this guy is an up-and-coming superstar who really showed what he's capable of last year with 92 points in 79 games to lead this squad uh, in the middle of the ice. Nikita Kucherov led the league overall almost with 128 points offensively in 82 games and uh, he'll be hard pressed to reach that mark just because it is such a big number but uh, he's he's a lock for a 100 point season I think again and you mentioned the left side on that top line is where the real uh, secret, uh, sneaky value comes into play and Andre Palat if he holds on to that role should smash the 34 points that he he uh, recorded last season he only played 64 games as well but was up and down the roster Yanni Gord is another guy who threatened for that 
first line left wing. So keep an eye on the way that thing shakes down. I don't think Maroon is going to get the gig. Only 24 points in 74, 28 points in 74 games. But uh, he's not a bad addition to that third line, which could be one of the better third lines in hockey. Anthony Sorelli could be a candidate for the Selkie Award here in terms of defensive acumen in that position. 39 points, nothing to sneeze at as he played the full slate of games last season. And Matthew Joseph could be a guy who's due for an uptick as well as he gets more responsibility on that third line with 26 points and 70 games played. I think he should do better than that. And uh, beyond that, uh, they got... uh, the insulation of Alex Killorn, who's a plug-and-play player up and down that lineup. 40 points in 82 games played, but they got to find a place for him uh, on the top nine, I think, if somebody else falters. The blue line here is, again, full of some interesting value in terms of fantasy play. Kevin Shattenkirk gets a chance to rehab his career with a one-year deal. He comes over, and he looks like he's going to get a shot in top-pairing minutes with Victor Hedman, and that's not a bad landing spot for him if he holds on to that role. He might uh, give it up, though, if, uh, and slide down to the third pairing. If they go that route, look for Ryan McDonough to get the, the, role, the key role behind, beside Hedman. And Ryan McDonough has been a guy who produced upwards of 40 points in the past he did it again last year so there's good value there and we haven't even talked about a young guy who could be the heir apparent to Hedman to lead this group one day and that's Mikhail Sergachev a former first round pick he had 32 points last year in 75 games played I think if once this guy puts it all together he'll be a regular around the 50 point mark so uh, if you can get him late in the draft in a dynasty league you're laughing and beyond that it's uh, a lot of defensive defensemen Yanni Ruda Jan Ruda might be the best of that lot eight points in 37 games played but the rest of them are kind of baggage smashers (laughs) i like that term baggage smashers your thoughts aj (laughs) well uh you know i think you summed it up pretty well in terms of of guys uh you know that can be a factor i'm going to issue a warning for our listeners here don't be like the washington capitals or the new york rangers and get suckered in by drafting kevin shattenkirk (laughs) moving here is not going to fix it this guy has really not lived up to expectations since leaving st louis you are you're going to draft him way higher than he's worth uh if you take him 23 points uh two years ago 28 points last year oh and he played 73 games last year so that's not something you can just blame uh on being injured like the year before i don't see him getting over 30 this year uh Maybe if they pair him with Hedman, but I don't think they're going to. Uh, Hedman's had a ton of success with, playing with uh, guys like Ryan McDonough, and I think that's where you see him again. That means Shattenkirk drops down, uh, in my opinion, maybe the second pairing, but possibly even the third uh, with Braden Colburn. I really just am very low on, on Kevin Shattenkirk in terms of season long at this point and, and will issue a, a word of caution uh, to our listeners on, on him. Uh, in the Nets, it's going to start up top with uh, Andre Vasilevsky. You know, I uh, did a, a goalie tier article this offseason, and I just couldn't even put Vasilevsky in my elite tier. He had to be in a tier of his own, and I think that's what you're going to see again this year. They they dropped his games played last year to just 53, and he still managed to get 39 wins last year. Seven, or I'm sorry, six shutouts along the way. A career high .925 save percentage last season. I think this is a guy that could be a 40 game winner again. Look, people are going to point to the playoffs and say, "Oh, how can he be so elite after what happened in the postseason last year?" 
Well, look, if I'm a fantasy owner, I don't care what happened in the postseason last year because leagues end before the playoffs start in most cases. Yes, the numbers aren't great. Uh, you know, three games in which he allowed four or more goals, but he certainly wasn't getting any help either. So if that's the reason that you're down on Andre Vasilevsky, please invite me to join your league and I'll happily <laughs> take him at the top of the, the pick. This guy is in a, a league of his own and I think uh, is is a stud option for him. He'll, he'll be backed up by Curtis McElhinney, uh coming over from Carolina. McElhinney played 33 games last year. I don't think he's going to see quite that same workload this season. It'll probably be closer to about 25, maybe 30 uh, as a as a top. Picked up 20 wins in those outings, backed up by this Tampa group. It, it's certainly not outside of the question for him to be, you know, a 15 win guy uh, and and a serviceable uh, handcuff option if you really want to go that route. But uh, it's all Vasilevsky here in the Nets. No question. I love what you said about Vasilevsky and almost a league in his own of his own just because of his situation and talent. AJ, uh, well said there. McElhinney could be an interesting case though late in the draft if you're looking for a guy who certainly won't hurt your numbers or your win totals. He'll chime in with his share to, no matter how many games he plays he's going to win his share of games in those efforts and the goals against average won't harm you either last year was 258 i expect it to be in the same neighborhood behind a quality team such as this and in terms of quality teams we're wrapping up our look at the 31 teams in the nhl with my favorite club the toronto maple Leafs. but i pride myself on giving a balanced outlook here aj and uh, you touched on it before i did this top six might be one of the, the best top six in the nhl one through six in the entire league and and i defy you to challenge that maybe i'll give you the chance when you uh, i end my comments here uh, familiar names uh, down the middle john tavares Austin Matthews, a fabulous one-two punch. Austin Matthews, despite some off-ice difficulties that he's had to deal with in terms of the headlines, had a fabulous uh, exhibition series. Five goals, three assists, and four games played. He looks very motivated to me to shut down and shut up anybody who's going to make fun of him uh, with those rumors all season long. But I think if healthy, he gets to the 50-goal mark this season, and uh, Tavares won't be far behind him in the middle of the ice there. Marner finally signed, and he will be hard-pressed to duplicate a couple of great years that he's put in but uh, don't put it past him because that's a, one of the better partnerships between him, him and Tavares and the lucky guy who fills in that top left line left wing right now looks to be Kasperi Kapanen a guy that you're familiar with since he started out in the Pittsburgh organization 43 points last year he should do uh, better than that if he stays with these guys all season long and then the beneficiary of uh, Austin Matthews uh, prediction of mine that he's going to have a great year or Willie Nylander who starts from day one with the club and should really crush the uh, opportunity that he has and could threaten the 60 to 70 point range he only had 27 in 54 games in a very dismal season last year marked by his holdout and rounding out that uh, top line uh, that second line on the left wing is Andreas Johnson 43 points in 73 games of course they could juggle this around when Zach Hyman returns he's going to miss the first month of the season with an injury that he he suffered last year in the playoffs in the first round so that could move around a little bit uh, the surprises start on the third line with this club though AJ Ilya Mikhaev was a guy that the Leafs plucked out of the KHL he had a really nice season there he's a big speedy winger 
who showed well in the exhibition series, uh, just concluded 45 points in 62 games in the KHL last year. In a deal with Colorado that secured them a pretty good defenseman, the Leafs also got Alexander Kerfoot in the deal to replace Nazem Kadri, and he's more well-suited to the third-line role here than Kadri was. I think that was a problem last year for the club, but they're not going to lose any speed with Kerfoot in the lineup, one, maybe the fastest forward in line with Kasperi Kapton, who said he was having trouble keeping up with him in the exhibition series, which says something. And Trevor Moore really showed something to me in the playoffs last season and in the AHL as well and he's been rewarded with the third line gig on right wing to round out that unit the fourth line has a very different look this year I'm excited to see that uh that they've improved the, the lot here by adding veteran Jason Spezza, who's going to be a power play specialist as well. Freddie Gauthier looks a little quicker to me than uh, the lumbering giant that he's been earlier in his career. He's worked a lot with the Leafs skating instructor, uh, famous figure skater in Canada, Barbara Underhill, who made her uh, name on the international stage for years. But uh, she's done good work with Freddie Gauthier. He looks like a different man out there. And a guy who's made the grade on the fourth line, Dmitro Timoshov, a graduate of the Leafs' Marley system last year. 49 points in 72 games played in the AHL. That'll round out all four units in the front lines, and uh, it'll move around, as I said, with Zach Hyman coming back after the first month of the season. AJ, I've covered it all here. You can't possibly think of anything else to add in the forwards, can you? <laughs> Not a ton. You know, uh, Paul, I, I did think about what you said in terms of a better uh, one through six here in the league, and, and I got to be honest, I could not uh, land on anything. You know, really, uh, you've got teams that have great top lines you know you you look at dallas with ben sagan and pavelski uh, but then there's a few questions on the the second lines there and so really i have to agree with you here i think this may be uh, the best top six uh in the league and and you mentioned zach hyman uh, obviously could be in the mix there as well uh for my money i'd rather honestly i'd rather have andreas johnson in that spot uh, I think he's better suited to play along with Matthews and, and Nylander, and that's certainly not a knock on Hyman. I just think he he adds uh, something to that group that that is really beneficial. The only thing uh, I'll mention is when you can get uh, Jason Spezza as your fourth line uh, <laughs> fourth line winger, I think it really says something about your depth. Obviously, this is a guy that's not going to be putting up 92 points anytime soon uh but as a fourth line guy to get 25 30 points out of him i think is phenomenal uh and really makes this uh, a difficult team to match up uh at, you know up and down the roster on the blue line uh it's as always i think it's going to start and stop with morgan riley here 72 points in 82 games last season he'll be paired up with cody cc uh who uh, I, you know, had solid numbers in Ottawa last year, 26 points in 74 games. I expect him to be right around there. Maybe a slight uptick, uh, to, to, you know, steal your phrase again, he should fall into some points, uh, by accident here, just playing with Morgan Riley. And then the second pairing, Jake Muzzin really did not, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when you get to it, Paul, but I don't think Muzzin really lived up to expectations after coming over in that trade. But 16 points in 30 games with Toronto uh, is hard to shake a stick at, and he'll be paired up with Tyson Berry, uh, another great acquisition. I'm very high on Berry heading into this year. Yes, there's a lot of other options for power play minutes, uh, Morgan Riley being the key. Muzzin should be a factor. But if Derry, Barry can pry some of those uh, power play minutes, 
uh, away from some of those guys. I think 50 points once again is, is certainly uh, possible for him and I think would be a great uh, fantasy ad for you. The third pairing is uh, kind of our surprise pairing. You know, there are a couple guys in the mix here, but Martin Marinson and Rasmus Sandin appear to have secured a spot. Sandin, 28 points in 44 games for the Marlies last season, and he's won this job uh, here. You know, you saw a couple veterans like uh, Kevin Gravel uh, and uh, Ben Harper, uh, Jordan Schmaltz uh, have to get kicked over to waivers because Sandin just really impressed uh, in training camp here. So uh, this is a blue line that just, just keeps on giving, you know, in terms of offensive guys here. Uh, if I had to pick one guy who's not really offensive minded and won't offer much, I think it's Marison, but even he has some offensive upside. And I think his problem is honestly just going to be minutes uh, more than anything. I think if he was playing a bigger role, he could produce as well. Paul, do you see any weakness on this blue line? I know I'm asking uh, the wrong person to find a, a downside <laughs> here, but uh, what say you? Well, you know what? You didn't mention Travis Dermott. He's another guy who's out for the month of November, and they're missing him on this, this back end, in my opinion. And he'll cause a little bit of a shuffle when he does move in. I could see him securing top four pair of minutes if uh, Cody Cece gets off to a bit of a sluggish start. But that's a prime opportunity beside Morgan Riley. And I thought that Tyson Berry would play more of a role in the power play than I've seen in the exhibition series. So I'm a little cool on him in terms of that point total that he got last year. 59 points. He'll be hard He'll be hard-pressed to reach it if Morgan Riley continues to log most of the first-line power play minutes there. Uh, he'll, he'll be a threat to reach the 70-point mark, in fact. But I had looked at this team in the offseason and said, oh, good, they'll back off on Riley's power play minutes. He'll be more, he's really good on the defensive side of the puck. He'll be more of a factor on the penalty kill. But they're going a different route, going the same route as last year. And Tyson Berry might pay the price for that. Rasmus Sandin, I wonder if this is going to be a nine-game audition for him, and maybe he's the guy that gets sacrificed when uh, Dermot gets healthy too. So don't go uh, all in on him just for this season. But if you're in a dynasty league, Sandin looks like the real deal. He's 18 years old, but he showed a lot of poise uh, in the exhibition series. And you might uh, keep an eye also on, out for a dynasty leaguer option in Timothy Lilligren. He's going to get back to uh, the AHL eventually here, but he's up with the club to start the season he could be another guy with those nine games to to do the cameo before the the Leafs take him down to the minors and behind all this talent the uh, workhorse in the NHL last year one of the workhorses among the goalies Freddie Anderson he appeared in 60 games again one of only eight goalies to do so and he was up there in the top three in terms of wins overall 36 he'll threaten that win total again and he might have to play as many as 60 games again just because Michael Hutchison is a guy I don't really trust to play more than 20 25 games a quite frankly uh, AJ the Leafs are looking to solidify that goaltending situation but as we know, they're right up against the top of that salary cap, so they have to make uh, good use of Hutchison. He did play well in limited role last season, but uh, asking him to play more than 20 or 25 is a bit of a reach, in my opinion. Your thoughts here? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think Freddie Anderson uh, leads the way. I think he'll hit that 60-game played mark again, uh, and then they'll use Hutchinson, honestly, as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I just don't see... Uh, him being uh, he's not a solid enough backup option that I think you want to give him a lot of opportunities and so uh, you know it it could wear on Anderson towards the end of the season um, but if they you know if they get themselves into a position uh, to be able to uh, rest Anderson down the stretch maybe they'll start uh, playing Hutchinson a little more but yeah I don't 
think I think 20 would be a very high mark for him uh, this season. AJ, that brings us to the end of our looks at the 31 teams, but we have to go, go through the predicted order of finish here, and I'll go first. I'll say Tampa, we said, is the class of this division. I don't think they win the division by 15 or 20 points, though. I'll say that. I think the Leafs are going to be within 10 points of the top rung and finish second here, and they'll finally get home ice against the, their hated rival, the Boston Bruins, who will uh, lock up third place here. I think the Bruins are getting a little bit longer in the tooth at some of the key forward positions. That's going to cost them against the fleet-footed Leafs this year. The Florida Panthers, in my opinion, could threaten for a wild card and will be fourth in this division. In my opinion, Montreal... Uh, has trouble competing and will uh, do no better than fifth in this loop and will be on the outside looking in in the postseason. Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa rounded out for me in this loop. AJ, your thoughts here? Yeah, so uh, I was with you on Tampa Bay, but going through it, I, I talked myself into Toronto at the top, and I, I think they're there's just so much. We talked about them being the best, you know, top six in the league, and they've got a ton of depth here. Uh, outside of that, I love the third line. The fourth line can score, too. We talked about the blue line. So for me, I think Toronto wins the division this year. Uh, it will be a battle, I think, most of the season with Tampa, um, but I definitely uh, give them the edge here. As I said, Tampa will come in number two. They've got a great team and a great netminder, and they'll be uh, right there in the mix. Boston comes in third for me as well. And I agree with you. Florida comes in fourth. I'm going to stick with what I said last week that I think both wild cards go to the Metropolitan Division, which will leave Florida on the outside looking in. Uh, but at the end of the day, they have Sergey Bobrovsky, and that'll make them competitive. Uh, I rounded out with Buffalo, then Detroit, then Montreal, then Ottawa. I have too many concerns about Montreal. Ottawa, the goaltending situation scares me, which is why I put them down there. I don't love Buffalo's goalies, but they've got some up-and-coming players who I think can put them in the mix. And as I said earlier, Detroit's just a few years away. So as I said, uh, Toronto up top, I know that'll be uh, you know words to warm your heart, Paul. And talk about that. You know what? I I try to do this with my head over my heart, and I I really think that I have I've started a new bromance with you today. I'll say that <laughs> because you're putting the Leafs first. That made my heart flutter. I got to tell you that uh, up front. And if you're right, I'll be celebrating big time on the whole regular season. I can't wait for it to get to started. And I know you feel the same way, AJ. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for the actual games to start here. It's been. Uh, it's been kind of rough this year waiting. Uh, you know, I've been watching more preseason hockey and I think it's made, uh, absence has made the heart grow fonder in terms of, uh, getting some regular NHL contests. I'm excited for the season to kick off tomorrow. All right. Well, we're going to go through our playoff. We'll throw in a Stanley Cup prediction when we get to next week's show. How about that, AJ? We'll keep our, fan, our fans and listeners waiting for that. But that wraps it up for this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode will take place one week into the regular season, so be sure and come back to us, and we'll review the lineups uh, for each of the teams at that point to see what they actually did to start the season as measured against our predictions over the past month. So please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. And as always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 